I have some concerns about the state of democracy in this country. Nothing like uh, the concerns I have about the state of democracy in the United States. I think the system there is broken, uh, perhaps irreparably. I'm not sure. The damage done to me is is sad and scary. Um, and it's not the same here. However, however, having said that, I can see people who want us to go down that road. And we've taken a couple of steps down that road. And it bothers me. Um, Politics in many ways in our country right now, if you think about it, it has all the depth of a finger bowl for a lot of people, right? There's no, there's no discussion. There's no actual, we don't even get to the point of discussing policy. Policy doesn't even enter into the picture for a lot of people. We don't debate the merit of an idea. Um, it, who's it come from? That's it. That's all we need to know in some cases. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, F. Trudeau is a perfectly comprehensive and totally electable platform uh, for some voting blocks in this country. We have all kinds of politicians that are more than happy to take full advantage of that. And you know what? To be fair, it does go the other way. I don't know if it's to the same extent, but it certainly does uh, in this province. Just think about, you know, the UCP could, could solve world hunger and they'd still get attacked in some corners, right? Because... It's the same thing. The, the, the politics is so divisive and, and partisan and tribal. Not among everybody, but by a lot of people. And politics is politics. It's always been this way to some extent, and it always will. But right now, um, along with the tribal partisanship, there's, there, there's something more ominous. It's not just supporting your guy anymore. It, it goes beyond that. And that's where we get into a scary situation. So to walk through that with us, we have David McLaughlin joining us, who is president and CEO of the Institute on Governance. David, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. No, happy to do so, Shay. Now, you wrote this piece in the Globe and Mail about this subject matter. You call it the erosion of the trust that binds Canada together, the more mm-hmm. vital piece of this degradation of democracy I was talking about. What do you see that troubles you in terms of um, the destruction of this trust? Well, a lot of what you actually said in your, uh, in your opening. Um, I think you, you nailed it in, in, in many ways. You, uh, you talked about tribes. Uh, and, and you talked about where ideas and, and uh, come from, where, uh, you know, who's saying what. I mean, these have become the kind of the touchstones for, for a lot of Canadians in terms of, of assessing and filtering the information that we get and therefore our, our, uh, our political and, and public policy choices. And that's not healthy for democracy. I mean, it's uh, uh, what you end up having then is, and then what we've been seeing is political parties and leaders and institutions that are that are wrapped around them all catering to the, increasingly to those sort of tribal voices to those to their base to those uh, to the you know uh, people who are have uh, are singularly concerned about one or two things but not about the rest of of what matters in society uh or focused with their anger with anger and grievance or alienation etc that's not healthy and and it's not healthy for uh, a number of reasons i uh, i think you're quite right in that uh in your opening you said we're not the same as as the u.s no we're not there is no january 6th exact moment you know, coming up, I, I, I'm with you absolutely on that. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be careful and cautious and worried about totally. this. Let's preserve our, our democracy the way we want. And I just feel, as do others, it's on a trend that's heading in the wrong way. 
and these kinds of things that we're talking about in ter- uh, of where people are getting information, so it's misinformation, the anger and alienation out there that is forcing people to look at more extreme sort of solutions and ideas instead of what's maybe best for the country as a whole, and the way that our public institutions, that's governance, that's where we come in, that which is really the way we do things. It's the plumbing of our democracy, and we're not paying enough attention to that. We're looking for workarounds, and we're trying to MacGyver everything to fit or fix things that work for our interest as opposed to the broader national interest. So I think it, it is a whole sort of cornucopia, if, if you will, Shay, yeah. of those things coming together. And David, I think you make a great point when you talk about the, you know, the, the institutions, the plumbing, the, the, the infrastructure yeah. of democracy in this country. Um, we're always going to have people who just hate the opposing politician. It doesn't matter sure. what happens. But the scary thing for me, the step beyond that is when you start to question the actual institutions, be it Bank of Canada, for example, or some of Bank these of other Canada. institutions yep. of democracy. When you start to undermine them, the entire system is vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. Sort of what's next. It's a very much a slippery slope. And and why this feels so urgent now and, and, and feels so so wrong is uh, just go back It's his, 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 to our own history, to the way we are. I mean, what's the phrase that people most remember about Canada's constitution? It's peace, order, and good government. Right. Right. It's, it's, that comes from the British North America Act. It's what I call it's the BNA, right, British North America Act, but that's really our constitutional DNA. I mean, good governance is baked in to how we formed as a nation, how we came together in confederation, and how we've grown from that. Now, a lot of pressures, a lot of stresses now have been building up over time that's causing people to question that and get a work around that. But that's very different, and so it's jarring. I, you know, it's really jarring from where we've been before, and we don't have a roadmap for where this might take us. And so good governance is legitimacy. If you, for, if, if you give everybody a voice or the, right, the opportunity to have a voice, if you take that into consideration, but your elected people then make that decision, then you're going to, and, and people accept that, then you're going to have legitimacy for that decision. You need, you know, there's an old phrase, you need good, good winners and you need good losers in a democracy for things to work. And we're certainly not seeing that in other countries. And this is sort of a, a, a cri de coeur, you know, a cry from the heart to others to say, pay attention because bad stuff can happen here too. Um. David, whenever we discuss this on this show, I always ask the guest, and I don't have the answer, and I, I, I hope you do. Um, where does this come from? Is it led by uh, people that I would say are less than principled politicians who are more than willing to trade in this kind of politics, knowing full well that it's risky business, but there's bang for their buck there? Or yeah. are they being led there by voters who are demanding this kind of politics? Where does It's a chicken or an egg discussion. Uh, where do you fall? It's a, it is a bit of a chicken and egg discussion, and um, uh, I, at the end of the day, uh, I hold leaders to a higher account. Like if if and if we don't as a democracy, then we're just selling ourselves short as voters. So when leaders cater to that, when they truck and trade, as we say, in that kind of dialogue, then uh, they are diminishing and demeaning our, ourselves as voters and and our democratic uh, traditions. And they're doing it for the reasons we know it's it, it works yes. in certain states. But but look, we're coming to a situation now where you know, tell me the last time we had a, a, a government, a, a national government, a, a federal government that got more than forty percent of the vote. Yeah, like we're into you know the thirties you know, and thirty two, thirty three. May you know if anybody 
they even got 35%, we'd almost treat it like a massive majority, you know, government and change. That's where we're at. And so people are catering increasingly to that minority fringe part of the conversation. We need to find ways to bring those folks into our traditional approaches. I'm not talking at all. I would never accept that we keep them away. But we've got to find a way to bring them in and filter that, their, their views in a way that we can show them and they get a voice in a solution. But it may not be the perfect solution, but you tell me whenever we, you know, when was the last time we had a perfect policy solution for everybody? It's not the way it works. That's why I say good winners, good losers. We tend to accept that in our democratic traditions, increasingly less and less so. So I'm not going to give leaders a pass on this. I understand it. I've worked that sort of side before. I get it. But I don't think we should give them a pass on it. We've got to find a way to take those voices that are becoming increasingly toxic, that are concerned, alienated. We risk our democracy if we don't listen to them. I don't want to cut them out. Yeah, yeah. But the idea that we channel them and we privilege them and, and turn our political parties over to them or our public policies, boy, that's, that's a very risky business. Final question, then, of course, is how do we do that? Who does that? I don't have faith in the leaders, like you say, who, yep. who, who engage in the trade in this kind of politics. They're going to continue because it benefits them. It, does it fall yep. on us, the voter, to just roundly and soundly reject that kind of politics in Canada? Well, as a Democrat, I would say absolutely. I mean, that's always the best thing, right? You know, at the end of the day, the voters, uh, you know, they're 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 not uh, they're not always right, but they're never wrong. <laughs> the saying goes, right? You know, we have to, because we have to accept those those choices. But one of the things that we work on at the Institute on Governance is is the role of public servants. At the end of the day, the constant between our political parties and the change of leaders is our public service. And, and and public servants in many ways stepped up during COVID. Now we've given them a, whole, a hard time, and we challenged them in that. But in, for the most part, they found ways to adapt and innovate, and and kept us safe. And at times, it, like it's hard, and it was it wasn't perfect. But the constant of our institutions, our public institutions, such as the State Bank of Canada, the role of Parliament, the role of our regulatory bodies. You know, whether it's an energy regulator and how they engage with with uh, uh, Indigenous uh, uh, First Nations or with with farmers or ranchers, others who have different views like those those public institutions and public servants, they're the constant. And so I think we have to spend more time looking at how they play into this. And I think that will help us. That's good governance. That's good plumbing. Let's pay attention to the plumbing. Interesting, interesting aspect. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. That's that's how government works. We we yeah. focus on the people that are just sort of the, the the elected officials, but government works with the public service. Yeah, very good point, David. Great discussion. I appreciate it very much.